Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome back to Mads World. I'm your host, Mads, and I hope you've been loving visiting each week. If you have, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, or simply share with a mate. Also, if you have anything funny, interesting, or important to share, please get in touch with me through my website, it's madsworld.co, or my Instagram, madsworld.mp3. Following Harry and Meghan's recent tell-all interview with Oprah, interracial couples have been thrown back into the spotlight. While Harry and Meghan's union was initially heralded as the legitimisation of interracial couples, it's clear from their Oprah expose that there is still a long way to go. The role that race plays in the British media's reporting of Harry and Meghan's relationship has been brought back to the forefront of conversation, as has the way the British public is influenced as a result of this negative rhetoric. Before I start, I just want to acknowledge my privilege and note that there are many perspectives I couldn't possibly speak on. So with that said, I want Mads World to be a space that is inclusive of many people all over the world where experiences and thoughts can be shared. This week, I chat to the lovely Sylvia Wong about her perspective on interracial relationships. Currently in an interracial relationship herself, Sylvia has launched Represent Love, a social enterprise working on projects that highlight the ongoing prejudice towards interracial and intercultural couples and celebrate diversity in love. Alongside her partner Michael, they were motivated through their own experiences of prejudice to find a new way to empower and support other multicultural couples. Up next, you'll hear our chat about the challenges of being in an interracial relationship, including racism, fetishization, language barriers, culture, and family disapproval. Hello, Sylvia. Hi, Maddie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a very sunny week here in London. So I thought we could start with um, what I call the speed date round. So this is just sort of so our listeners out there can get a bit of a gauge on who you are and sort of paint a picture of you before we jump into our chat. So our first question is, how long have you been in a relationship? I've been in a relationship now for a year, Um, so since last March. But thanks to COVID, I feel like it's been a lot longer. Yeah, it definitely, when you're spending so much time with someone, so I'm assuming you guys have been, yeah, like isolating together or quarantining together all that sort of thing while it's been going on but it really escalates relationships and the trajectory of them is so much faster isn't it for sure we moved in quite quickly after we started dating but that was just because to be honest we were scared whether or not we'd be able to see each other through our whole dating period with all the lockdowns and previously how often would you say that you went on dates previously i did go on them quite often i actually joined hinge just before lockdown so i went i managed to go on a couple 
couple of dates on that. And then um, I met Michael <laughs> just before lockdown was announced. So we weren't able to go on any in-person dates. <laughs> yeah, I've only been on one real date with my current boyfriend. <laughs> you had one like when um, Eat Out to Help Out was on or something last year. We went and had like a steak night just once and we've been going out for what, four months or something. We've been on one date. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of sink or swim in, in lockdown with dating. I mean, we're going to look back on this in a few years and be like, how the hell did we navigate that? <laughs> it's a very interesting time for dating for sure. <laughs> For sure. And what's your usual type of guy? I'd say it's changed through the years. I think there has been a phase of bad boys for a while until you realize they aren't worth the hype. And then I had yep. a thing for intellectuals for a while. But then um, since I dance, I think my type would have to be um, other dancers as well. So someone who loves to dance. Ah, okay, that's really interesting. I didn't know you were a dancer. Um, can you tell us more about that? What kind of dance do you do? Yeah, sure. Um, I like to dabble in quite a lot of styles. I do some Latin dances, so like salsa, bachata, something called Brazilian zouk, which is a little bit more niche. But oh. I also love my dance halls, so that's kind of a attention and slightly different from everything else. Awesome. Um, and what is the best thing about being in a relationship? Well, at the moment, it's not having to worry about sneaking out and, you know, being <laughs> able to laze around at home all day, knowing they still love you and have to be with you. But <laughs> I think um, as cheesy as it is, probably the best thing about being with the right person is knowing you can just be yourself and not having to worry too much. I love that. And what's the best thing about being in an interracial relationship? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, if I was joking, I'd say the stairs, but <laughs> <laughs> we actually, okay, to be honest, we don't actually get that many stairs. We get them occasionally, but I just feel like it's something natural that happens when you are in an interracial relationship sometimes, even alone. Yeah. But one of the best things is probably learning about our different cultures um, and of course the food, I think now that I have discovered yeah. plantain, I am just, you know, I'm so <laughs> convinced that this is one of the best things that have happened in my relationship so far. <laughs> plantain. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so can you tell our listeners a bit more about the work you do? And then we'll sort of get into the story of, of how you and Michael met and the struggles and the challenges that you had there. But yeah, tell us a bit more about the work that you're doing currently. I run an organization called Represent Love. We started earlier this year because we basically saw this gap in the world for an organization that specifically focuses on interracial and intercultural couples. I think we've seen the odd news feature or the odd article or campaign about it, but we don't really see anyone kind of looking at it 365 days in the year. Um, yeah. So this was a really interesting gap for me to look at. And especially since mixed race communities are one of the fastest growing groups here in the UK. So we kind of need somebody to be talking to families as they start to build these mixed race families. Um, part of our mission is really to encourage couples to speak up about not only the joys of being in a mixed relationship, but the struggles of being in those relationships as well. We've published six interviews so far and we'll continue to be adding more, but we also create resources. For example, we're putting together a guide for how to approach conversations with disapproving parents and more on that in a little bit with my own personal story. But yeah, we're just trying to explore different avenues. How can we, you know, introduce more artwork or poetry or clothing that can also celebrate diversity and love? And 
really just start to look at different ways we can serve that community. Great. Um, Yeah, and we can definitely link to all of that in the episode description. So if you're interested in hearing more about Sylvia's project, Represent Love, um, yeah, I'll put a link in the description for everyone to click through to your website and and have a bit of a look. But um, so, yeah, did you want to tell us about the story of how you and Michael met and like the timing being during the pandemic and obviously the Black Lives Matter movement last year as well? And I guess uh, if you want to start with your um, your heritage as well, so that we can sort of get a get a feel for the background and everything, and then um, the struggles that you you had with your family and acceptance. Yeah, I was just about to say it's probably difficult for you to tell that um, from just my voice that I'm half Chinese and half Korean. I moved mm-hmm. here to the UK from Hong Kong, um, you know, ten years back for uni, and. Mike was born and bred here in London, but he is of Nigerian descent. So we both met on Hinge, as I mentioned last year. I basically liked one of his videos dancing, and he saw I had a video of me dancing on my profile, so sent me a message saying, so does that mean if we ever got into an argument, we would settle it with a dance battle? (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, you know, from that, we would definitely get on. So one or two days later, of course, lockdown was announced in the UK. So Mm -hmm. we were like, oh, shoot, we both found this really cool person, but we can't meet up now. And I think that was, you know, the common experience for many people who are dating right before lockdown. Mm -hmm. Um, So what our first initial dates became were a bunch of Netflix parties. So no, not (laughs) Netflix and chill, but Netflix parties, um, watching the same movie. (laughs) Non-sexy Netflix parties. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Um, And we also had to, you know, navigate the mic situation while watching the movie as well. So most of the time we had to be muted and just silently watching the screen. So yeah, very interesting times. Um, Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. 
They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. We also had a lot of long phone conversations, so it really felt like a long-distance relationship minus all of the kinky stuff and just yeah. <laughs> straight into the serious stuff. Yeah, and building a friendship as well, I suppose, is is really nice because you sort of get to know each other first and it's not like your traditional dating sort of courtship where you, you know, it might become more physical, more fast. But, yeah, it's building that foundation of friendship, which is really nice too. Oh, for sure, yeah. I think that was the real blessing out of it all, mm. that we actually got to talk to each other, get to know each other before I mean we were attracted to each other of course from our our profiles Mm. and through the video chats we got to see each other and know we weren't catfishing one another yeah but (laughs) but yeah really was great to have that moment just to truly get to know each other and be aligned on what we both wanted as well out of the dating and the relationship yeah and not only was it all during the pandemic it, it happened um right at the crux of the Black Lives Matter movement in London where there was a lot of protests mm-hmm. going on and a lot of discussion and conversation around that. So how did you how did you approach that with each other and how did you find managing that together? Yeah, yeah. So that was a very eventful year last year. Yeah, um, wasn't like it? Said, Black Lives Matter happened. So right up until that point, we hadn't seriously spoken about race and our experiences. I think we would, you know, obviously note that we were both ethnic minorities and we both probably experienced racism, but never really probed into it. And then the George Floyd incident happened. Mm. And suddenly I took it upon myself to ask him more about his experiences. And he told me he has been stopped and searched before. Mm. And I think for me, that was quite eye-opening and shocking. And, you know, hearing more stories with the people that surrounded me, I admit I was not exposed much to African and Black culture growing up in Hong Kong. We Mm -hmm. just we just didn't have that access and the communities aren't that large over Mm -hmm. there. So it really compelled me to educate myself. Um, And I would have probably done so anyway, you know, with, without Michael, just because I care a lot about equality, obviously, Mm -hmm. but um, being with Michael made me feel like I suddenly had this duty and obligation to him as my chosen partner. And if we were talking about building a life together or a family, I also have that duty and obligation for future children just to be informed and to know Mm. how can I talk to them about this kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned to me that you did have struggles with acceptance and um, within your family and some family disapproval. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) um, I already knew at the very beginnings of dating Mike that it would potentially be an issue with my family just because we've had the hypothetical chats in the past about, so what if I did date somebody black? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, right now in the Asian, in Asian society, it's still an issue of Mm. colorism, but also of course, racism based Mm -hmm. on that lack of exposure. So when I told my mom that I was dating Mike and we're really close, we have a good relationship, me and my mom. So I thought that, maybe she'd be open enough and time has passed enough from that initial hypothetical chat that she would be fine with it Mm. um, or at least not as dramatic as it actually turned out to be. But yeah, she, she basically said a whole bunch of hurtful things. I I think she didn't mean to make Mm. it sound hurtful, but that's just how it ended up coming across. She said things like, 
your life will be difficult. Um, mm. Think about your children. So, you know, nod to what Megan and Harry had to go through. Yeah. Worrying about, yeah. Um, think about how difficult it is for the family. Um, and even said you can date each other, but don't think about marriage. So yeah, I'm really sorry that happened to you. I mean, that's so that's so tough for you and and Michael. You know, like to to have mm. the people you love putting that pressure on you and giving you that feeling of disappointment is yeah, they really let you down. So I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Thank you, and you know, thanks for giving me the opportunity to share. I think it is really important to just highlight that this still happens in 2021 mm. and. Mm-hmm. I, I am the first one in my family to be with a black person. So it is very different for them. But somehow when I was dating, you know, a white person or I did date a Hispanic person in the past, it wasn't so much of a big issue. So mm. I think this instance is where I really saw what it's like to have true family disapproval and actually what that means for mental health as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um I guess this sort of this is a good opportunity to go into our left on red question round where we have some questions from listeners but um just some really eye-opening questions as well that can sort of kickstart discussion hopefully with people listening but you've touched on some of the main challenges that people in interra- interracial relationships are met with can you tell me a bit more about how racism comes into play here sure thing um so you probably saw with the Megan and Harry situation uh, Mm. the interview itself and the public responses have been very triggering for Mm -hmm. black and mixed race people but also those of us in interracial relationships because we resonate with their experience which has been played out so publicly I Mm. I think it's really painful to see the racist undertones that are happening on social media and the press, but also knowing that it comes from family, which should be your safe place and that loving environment away from all of that. So I think from an interracial relationship point of view, with looking at that play out, it's it's just really sad to see that it's just an issue for all of us that we have to face. Yeah, 100%. And I think um, it's really interesting what you said about, you know, the public response and what you see on social media and everything. I saw a good, like a good quote from uh, that a couple of people I know shared, which said, Megan won't see all of the racist or um, horrible comments that you say about her but your friends that have been suicidal and your friends Mm -hmm. that are part of ethnic minorities will so it's sort of it's not even about you know Megan and Harry it's about the wider picture and the horrible things that people say that do affect everyone around them in their social circles yeah a hundred percent and I think if you live in a multicultural city like London I think Mm. it's easy to think that oh interracial couples are everywhere therefore they don't really face that much struggles because we can see them but really there's still pockets as you as you said on social media there's still that disguised banter that we often let slide sometimes Mm. or there's also people who don't feel like they can share openly about their experiences and their feelings so yeah and they may feel that talking about their interracial relationship and the differences that that they have and you know the challenges they face may make them seem like not a normal couple whatever normal and inverted commas actually Mm -hmm. means but I guess talking about that and having a dialogue about it is so important because as you said it can negatively affect mental health a lot I think if you're feeling those challenges but you're not speaking up about them and I think everyone deserves to be open and honest about their relationship especially with people in their family or their friendship circles for sure I mean obviously I can agree firsthand to that um but I I think it's also really important to note how your partner is also supporting you for this Mm. and how partners can 
speak up against racism. So, for example, Harry speaking up against the royal family is a huge step. But for other couples that we've interviewed through our project, we found people that acknowledge their white privilege and have called out racist behavior or stood up mm-hmm. against these behaviors in front of their partner on multiple occasions. So mm-hmm. I think you as a partner that has to experience racism um, or is an ethnic minority, that is huge to see that your partner is supporting you and is kind of being that that champion and that voice for you as well. And we don't highlight that enough as well, what that means. And to have that strength coming from within as well. Exactly. Actually, there was a quote that really stuck with me from one of the people that we interviewed. She she basically said it's really important to have those conversations about race early in order to be aligned, because if you're aligned and strong as a unit on the inside, nothing can break you from the outside. And I was just like, wow. Yeah, yeah, I really like that quote. So how does fetishization of different races have an impact on interracial relationships? So for those out there listening that might not be sure what fetishization is, it's sort of to do with comments like, um, oh, I've dated black people so I can't be racist or I watch, you know, Asian porn so I can't be racist or all that sort of thing. So, you know, how, do, how does that come into play with interracial relationships and how do comments like that affect people in interracial and intercultural relationships? Yeah, so as you said, that is what fetishization is. And it we have to recognize that it is a microaggression dressed as a compliment. Mm. Sadly, it is actually the common experience of dating for many ethnic minorities, whether it is, you know, in the DMs, mm-hmm. you get those um, sexual messages or inappropriate comments. Mm. But also with dating apps, I think it adds an extra layer to this because you have the ethnicity filter on those apps for example, for Hinge and Tinder, mm. you have that, um, which I I think not only perpetuates fetishization, but now you can exclusively date within your own race or a specific race, which if you think about just the offline world, we don't really have that ability to just, un- unless you go to like specific social events or something like that, but we don't really have that ability to just say, okay, mm. I'm going to forget everyone else, or I'm going to, you know, cancel everyone else so that I only see this. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't filter people out in real life. So that's such an interesting point that you've made that, um, yeah, offline, there's no ability to do that. That's just a totally new online thing which sort of segregates mm-hmm. people and groups people. But, yeah, I find that, yeah, that's a really interesting point. I think also another layer with online dating is because you're behind a screen, sometimes it creates this cloak or this kind of safety barrier for a lot of people to also say things that they may not usually say directly to someone mm. face-to-face. So I, I remember seeing this yeah. um, this DM thread where a black guy got a message from, from another white girl who just said BLM with a little fist emoji. And <laughs> he was just like, how do I react to this? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Why have you sent me this? Exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, in terms of the direct experience, now you start to become a lot more skeptical and wary of people that approach you, I think. Um, you're all, you often mm-hmm. find yourself checking, okay, is this person, like, what kind of questions are they asking me? Is this person really interested in me as the mm. person? Or are you just running off of some assumptions about my race? Um in particular mm-hmm. for Asian people, I guess we have a term called yellow fever. And so we kind of have a yellow fever radar. Mm-hmm. Where we're just checking. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think to answer, yeah, to answer your point, it, it does affect us. Um, and it's 
just getting harder and harder to see who's genuine. And can you tell me a bit more about how different religious and different faith backgrounds have an impact? So faith is a tricky one because it dictates your worldview, you know, your customs, your rituals. Um, and when you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't share those worldviews and rituals and customs, there is that disconnect. Mm. Um, so there'll be some people who don't believe in a higher power or not share your same religious views. But then what it comes down to is, is respect at the end of the day. It's mm -hmm. how open you are to accepting that your partner lives and processes the world differently to you. And for a lot of people, as easy as that sounds, you know, they, they can claim like, yeah, I'm open to all kinds of views. But then when you're in a close relationship with somebody and you're trying to build a life together, you're trying to think about how you raise children or how you approach certain mm -hmm. situations, then really how open are you to accepting that you can't always agree on everything? And how do you, yeah, how do you openly communicate about it? And not to the point where it becomes an argument and it can disrupt you or break you. I guess um, as well, that sort of leads into our next question of culture-bound beliefs and what if you have different views on marriage, raising children or lifestyle mm -hmm. as a result of your religious or faith background. So how do you how do you think we approach those challenges in interracial relationships? What's the best way? I guess respect and empathy, as you just said, are, are key, but are there any other ways that you think um, people can approach that? So respect always is number one, but there are also other things that could potentially help couples get around or help to manage this. So one thing could be learning about your partner's worldview. So actually mm -hmm. purposely getting outside of your own view and trying to actively look out for books, movies, because we learn through storytelling, right? So I think there's a lot of mm -hmm. different cultural resources that um, can help you get more understanding of where your partner's coming from, what they've been exposed to or mm -hmm. informed on. Because sometimes it's really hard when there are really embedded cultural values or um, mm -hmm. or customs or rituals for you to, especially if you've taken them for granted, it's really hard for you to communicate this mm -hmm. with your partner because you just, you don't really think about it that much <laughs> until it actually um, yeah, is a situation where you where you have to show it or you have to talk about it. Yeah, I guess as you said, education is so important. So just educating yourself on, yeah, their their background, their history, their culture. I guess yeah, it's just embedding yourself in it as much as you can to sort of get an understanding and put yourself in their shoes. I guess that's that's another thing alongside respect and empathy that's super important. Yeah, and being flexible to change. Also, I think we often hear that. If you meet the right person, it means you shouldn't have to change. But I don't think that's 100% true for interracial or intercultural relationships because you can't expect to come out mm -hmm. unchanged from, from being in that. Yeah. So I think you should be receptive to healthy change to adapt. For example, you know, you might take on new holidays that you, have, you didn't previously celebrate before. Yeah. Uh, maybe you don't fast for Ramadan, but because you're with somebody, you do it out of respect. So... I think being open to change is a healthy thing to also help manage and navigate through those cultural differences. Yeah, I think being open to healthy change is such a powerful quote. I'm, I really love that. I think in any relationship, even not interracial, I mean, I know with my boyfriend, we've both sort of, you learn about each other, you learn about what each other likes and, and how you argue and how you bounce back from that. I guess being open to, to healthy change and lifestyle changes that might benefit you. Like I know that he encouraged me a lot in my sobriety journey and you know he motivated me a lot like obviously I'm, I'm not 
up changing for a man or whatever that rhetoric is. But um, yeah, I think being open to healthy change is definitely an important part of any relationship. Mm. So how do language barriers play a role in interracial relationships and can this result in family disapproval? So was, did this play a part in when you were telling your family about Michael and yours relationship? Fortunately, it didn't play a part because actually my family are quite well versed with English. Um, it's one of our main languages mm-hmm. and his family speak English too. So I think we, we will be fine on the language barrier aspect. Um, I think when it comes to my grandparents, though, it might be a different story because my grandparents only speak Korean. And I think they would be the ones with the more traditional views and kind of the older generation views um, of being yeah slightly more prejudiced. So that might be a hurdle when we come to it. Yeah, I guess that's sort of... <laughs> comes into play when we're talking about you know all of the issues that were raised in the Oprah interview as well it's those older Mm. generations that have their their values sort of set in stone because it's just the way that they've been raised and stuff and comments about the color of Archie's skin and everything are coming from those older generations within the royal institution so I guess yeah that is a huge challenge is sort of the older family members but I think having the discussion and starting the discussion that's that's all you can really do is try and empathize with people and speak to them in a way that resonates with and them. And it'll take time. I think it's also important to recognize it's not an overnight mm. thing. You're going to have multiple conversations. It might take years mm. and years until you finally get a turning point. But yeah, yeah, just got to be patient with it. Definitely. And our last question is, how have you come across many cases regarding accusations of selling out your race? And um, how did this affect you or the couples that you've worked with? Yeah, this is a big one actually and a big eye-opener for me as I talk Mm. to more couples Um, and interestingly it specifically seems to crop up more in the black communities so for example Michael's received comments like why aren't you with a black woman and yeah I think that's the funny thing that many of us in interracial relationships can face um, because when you start to date one person outside of your race I feel like all of a sudden people can forget about all the other people you've dated in the past from your same race. So you're Mm. suddenly in this box of you're no longer dating people from your race anymore. And somehow it's seen as betraying your race because of that. And other people we've interviewed, Mm. I mean, there's specifically free people that come to mind who all come from black communities and um, have said that they've been labeled terms like coconut or like bounty or why does it all have to be food? But like, still, mm. it's <laughs> they've been yeah, they've been labeled by their communities as essentially giving up their cultural identity and assuming someone else's. So that's been a really interesting thing to note. Yeah, that still happens. It's really interesting, and that's yeah. I'm sorry that that's happened as well with with mm. you and Michael, because obviously, um, as we said, yeah, it's it's going to be learning about each other's cultures and then being open to healthy change and it's not giving up your identity it's sort of opening your world to a to a new one and and letting somebody else into your life which is yeah I guess a factor in any relationship especially interracial relationships for sure um unless you're one of those people that are racially filtering out people you don't choose who you love so I feel like no one should have the right to lay claim Mm. on your happiness and that's that's final yeah definitely well that is our last question so thank you so much for joining us Sylvia this has been a really eye-opening episode and I think everyone's gonna really have enjoyed listening to it but was there a note that you wanted to leave it on or a final thing you wanted to say I feel like I could truly talk over and like on and on about this because there's just so much to unpack and so much layers to Mm. this but I think at the end of the day 
that quote. I think it's it always comes back to that quote for me. Just it is about you and your、mm-hmm. partner. You can have you know things that come at you、mm-hmm. from all kinds of directions, even from those close to you, like your family. But at the end of the day, if it if you、mm-hmm. and your partner are on are on the same page, and you're saying we're gonna get through this together, and we got each other's back. And if you do that from early on,、mm-hmm. then I think you build a good foundation to then shield yourself and protect yourself as much as you can from all of those experiences, and you can weather through it. So definitely, can you repeat the quote for us again? That quote was: make sure to have those conversations about race early, so that you can stay aligned. Because when you're aligned and you're strong together as a unit, nothing can break you from the outside. Ah, that's an awesome note to leave it on. And you've been a, a fantastic guest, so thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Sylvia. Please get in touch with me if you have any stories or thoughts of your own to share on my Instagram. It's at madsworld.mp3 or through my website. It's madsworld.co. Love and elbow taps. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for twenty percent off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands, and they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince dot com slash style to get free shipping and three hundred and sixty five day returns on your next order. Quince dot com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi.、Mm. Hello. Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.